I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Welcome back. It's 219 here at KSL News Radio. Since uh, early in January, I have uh, you know been laser focused on the goings on in uh, certainly Washington D.C. If you remember, uh, you know everything that took place on the sixth of January, uh, it has led me to to have many many conversations with current and former lawmakers and staffers, those who have had a profound connection to the the capital of the United States and the work that is done there and how uh, that work and its precious uh, place of business uh, was so violated on January 6th. Uh, To that end, uh, there will be tomorrow uh, the commencing of a number of investigations. In fact, uh, many former members of the the Capitol Police plus uh, the former sergeants at arms of both the House and the Senate will be testifying before uh, various congressional committees throughout this week uh, as we look to get a clearer picture of what happened and a clearer understanding of how it happened and how maybe it in the future can be uh, prevented. Well, uh, one of the individuals I have yet to speak to on that uh, is uh, former Congressman Ben McAdams, who uh, the, the meat of our conversation will be what he's up to these days, some new projects he's involved in. Then I'm going to try to sneak in a question at the end about 2022. Uh, but to kick things off, uh, let me first welcome uh, former Congressman Ben McAdams to the program. Sir, welcome. Thank you, Lee. Great to be back on with you. Tell me, as you saw the events on the 6th unfold, did you were, were you grateful not to be there or did you, uh, you know, in a certain way, wish that you could be there, uh, you know, with your former colleagues and witnessing it take place firsthand? I know it's a difficult question because yeah. you know, there, quite, there are issues of safety and all involved. But uh, what, what were your thoughts that day? Yeah, I guess I felt a little bit of both. I saw people there, you know, staff members of mine, former staffers of mine and and colleagues on both sides of the aisle. And I I was texting with them. I was on some email chains with them during the day as they were afraid. They were cautioning each other to not post to social media. For example, some members had said that they were safe in their office. And another member replied and said, please don't tell people that you're in your office. You know, we've got to be careful. And so I kind of lived that moment both on TV and through the news, but also really firsthand as I was on these text chains with with colleagues of mine and, and really um, – you know, what a sad, sad day for our country then. And to see, you know, what what some of our fellow Americans are capable of was a was a sad, sad day. Yeah. Uh, well, well, thank you. Thank you for that. I'd been curious uh, your your thoughts on that as uh, you know, since that event took place and then in, in the days and weeks since. Uh, let's talk about what you're up to these days. First, how have you been spending your days the, over the past six weeks or so? Well, the, I started off just reconnecting with my family. You know, I have 
my wife and I, we have four young kids. And in the last two years that I was in Congress, just living on an airplane and living part-time in Utah. My family was here in Utah. And, and then part of my weeks in D.C. is just a really busy time. So it was great. Uh, I, I got a ski pass and was able to get out skiing and enjoying some some time, dad time with my kids and, and my wife. It's really been been a good good uh, month or so, six weeks in, in that regard. And then, uh, you know, on a personal note, I was actually called to a bishopric yesterday. So I, I think some of my free time is going to be huh? gobbled up here pretty, uh, pretty quickly. But uh, professionally, um, I'm really happy with, with the direction things are heading. I've been able to find some ways to continue in public service, uh, even though I'm not in elected office, I'm going to continue to give some public service. I was just named a senior fellow at the Sorensen Impact Center at the University of Utah. And this is a, a, the Sorensen Impact Center is really at the crux of bringing together the private sector with the public sector, with government, to, to rise to some of our biggest challenges that we face. So I worked with them when I was mayor on issues like homelessness and reducing uh, crime and recidivism. Uh, they do a lot of work in health and expanding health access to people. And so I, I'm really interested in, in being able to continue my, my public service in this regard, you know, not as an elected official, but in this capacity with the Sorensen Impact Center. And then the other thing is I have started a new organization that uh, is called the Common Ground Institute. And, and my hope is with this Common Ground Institute that I can also continue to be a force for um, bringing people together around tough issues, whether it's some of our public lands debates yeah. or, uh, or other challenging issues, bring people together to try and find solutions. So I think the best solutions aren't found legislatively or through the courts. It's found by sitting down and listening to each other. There has been, uh, you know, over the past number of weeks, days, however you want to count it, but of late there has been an intense focus on this unity and coming together, finding common ground. Uh, how do you pull that off? You know, in terms of uh, like real action, what, what, what is the solution or what's the first step towards a solution? Yeah, I mean, this is what I've spent uh, the last 10 years of my life working on. And I think the first step towards that solution is to recognize really people who, you know, the person sitting across the table who is disagreeing with you is also – um, you have so much in common. We're all Americans. Many times we're Utahns. We, you know, we are motivi- motivated by love and service for community. Now, how we, what we think has been the best interest of our community, we may have disagreements in that regard. But you can recognize some common values. And then from that, just listen and try and understand where people are coming from. I have found that oftentimes it's not about win-lose. Not about over who's the strongest, who has the the best ability to force something through, but the best solutions come by listening and and understanding. And you actually find what I've done, what I've seen in problems that I've worked on is I go into a a challenging situation with a strong point of view and come out and see that my point of view, some elements of it, I was wrong. I, you know, learned from somebody else and and come at it a different way that's better than I originally thought of. And and you can actually get stuff done. So I think listening and consensus building is the heart of that. And that's what I hope to do, both with my position at Sorensen Impact, but also with this new entity that I'm creating, the, the Common Ground Institute, to try and find solutions to tough issues by focusing first on listening, finding our common values, and then building on that. Folks who find themselves on different sides of uh, you know, very public issues, 
will I- interpret any ground given up, any concession, any compromise as a show of weakness. And in my estimation, that's one area where we need to combat, we need to push back, and we need to communicate somehow effectively that uh, meeting you know, somewhere closer to the middle or at least taking a, a, the, the slightest step off your position, giving up a, the, the slightest little bit of ground is not necessarily uh, a sign of weakness. In fact, in many cases, uh, much of the opposite. How do, we, how do we convey that? How do we spread that attitude? Yeah. I mean, we live in a world today where compromise is a swear word and people think that we can't, you can't work together and that compromise is a sign of weakness. And, and I actually disagree. Well, first of all, what I found is you know, I come into into a, a negotiation with one point of view, and I, I'm negotiating against somebody else, another elected official with a different point of view. And what I found when we sit down and talk, it's not that I then have to split the split it in the middle and get 50% of what I want and give the other person 50% of what I want. I find out that, you know, we actually both agree on solving a challenge, uh, uh, something we're working on, and we can actually learn from each other. And I'm actually getting maybe 110% of what I want because I found a better way to do it. I'm still um, maintaining my core values, but finding a better way to accomplish that because I listened to somebody else who had a different perspective and, uh, and was able to bolster my ideas on, on how to support it. So you can actually sometimes get more than you were hoping for by broadening your viewpoints and bringing more people into the tent uh, and, and broadening your coalition. Uh, sometimes it may be, you know, you're splitting, but it may be 50-50, but sometimes you each walk away with 90% of what you want. And, and so I think there's a way to grow the pie and to, uh, to do better than to simply have an arm wrestle, Republican and Democratic arm wrestling to see who's going to win and who's going to lose. We're speaking with former Utah Representative Ben McAdams, former member of Congress. Uh, he has uh, recently been named a senior fellow with the Sorensen Impact Center at the University of Utah's David Eccles School of Business, as well as uh, announcing the formation of a new organization he's calling the Common Ground Institute. About 60 seconds uh, left, sir. Uh, i got to ask you, you, you anticipate filing to run for any public office here in the next few years? <laughs> You know, I I have not made any decision at this point. I do know I love public service. I believe I've got more to give. I think if we are ever going to fix what's broken in our politics, we have to elect people who who are going to be those people who reach out a hand of friendship to somebody who has a different point of view, recognizes that we are all Americans at the end of the day, and that we can heal and we can come together. And I think that there's we need more people like that in elected office, not fewer. Uh, so I'm interested in, in potentially running again. I don't know if that means in 2022 or, you know, two years or 10 years from now. I'm, I'm interested in continuing my public service. But for now, I'm enjoying my family time and, and enjoying the opportunity to give service in a new way. All right. Very good. Uh, former Congressman Ben McAdams, thank you so much for your time. Uh, best of luck to you. Congratulations on your new calling and your new professional responsibilities. Uh, wish you the best of luck in all those endeavors. Thanks, Lee. All righty. Uh, we're going to take a break here in just a, a moment. When we return, uh, I want to share with you uh, a fascinating interview, an interview granted uh, to ABC News by a member of the United States Capitol Police, a man who describes what he witnessed, what he experienced, how he feels, how he was spoken to on that day, and what he anticipates is coming next. That's ahead, an interview with a United States Capitol Police officer here on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. 
started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.